Hi to my East Chestnut Street family. I hope you're all doing well and staying safe right now. Um, recording this video from Philadelphia, wrapping up the second year of my master's program in speech therapy. And I'm doing virtual or early intervention services, birth to three with families in the greater Philadelphia area, but mostly in the city. Um, but I recently had the opportunity to speak with Todd about a variety of things, but um, one thing was just pivotal moments in our lives that kind of changed our worldview and our view of ourselves, our view of our relationship with others and what it can mean to cross barriers. Um, so what came to mind was an experience on uh, a youth group trip in 2012, uh, led by Daryl and Marlisa to Guatemala and particularly our a day trip to a dump outside of Guatemala City. Um, so when we got there, I, it was this vast, massive landscape of trash, mountains of trash, and it really was a landscape or a, a gross ecosystem, if you will, of, of trash. And it was a multi-sensory experience. It was both what I saw and smell and could feel in the air. It was, it was a shocking. Um, sensory experience. And I began to notice that there were people walking around in this vast landscape of trash, um, picking trash up, looking for things to salvage, I guess. And I believe I, I know adults and children were, were in there. And I noticed makeshift homes and tents where it became apparent that people were living there. And this was their daily reality. This was their, their living situation. So I was always taught to be grateful for um, the bubble that I grew up in, the opportunities that I've been given, the resources. Um, I was taught this by my parents, my grandparents, um, my church community, and my school, um, just to be very thankful for all of the many blessings that I have. Um, but this experience in Guatemala, um, the multi-sensory experience, it just fundamentally, fundamentally imprinted something in my brain that I live in my own bubble and there are many other people who live in an entirely different bubble and it's changed how I've thought about my future from a young age this was in 2012 and I'm 24 now um, it geared me towards thinking about I come from this amazingly privileged bubble um, why would I waste my life spending time trying to further my own interests, only furthering my own interests when I could possibly spend time trying to help other people in other bubbles. And I believe this is a very important message of Christ and a symbolic message of John 4 um, to get out of our bubbles. So sometimes, you know, both in terms of the vocation that I chose, um, right now I work with a number of lower income families or as well as just my everyday life. Sometimes I'll get irritated about something like my internet slows down during a session or, you know, I drop and break something. Um, sometimes just immediately after getting angry about something tiny and insignificant, my brain will just automatically flash back to this visual, this multi-sensory experience at the dump. And it's just one of many reasons that I'm grateful to have grown up in a community where we're challenged to 
push ourselves outside of our bubbles and, and cross barriers. And I'm, I really want to avoid any sense of, you know, heroism or I'm doing anything good. It's just, I'm grateful that I was steered towards a path of living a life that isn't just about myself. And it's because of my church community and all the people that make it up and the opportunities. Um, I had to, to learn about that and experience that. Um, so again, I'm very thankful for all of you. I miss you all. And thank you for listening to my little blurb. Stay safe. This past year, our church congregation formed a welcome team to work with Church World Service as they resettled two Congolese refugee families here in Lancaster. You can imagine the usual barriers that refugees face when they come to a new country, but I don't think any of us could have imagined the heightened barriers that a pandemic would create. A few pictures to share. <laughs> Malole arrived on March 11, just days before the country shut down. He had an appointment to get his social security card, but that office closed indefinitely. Without this card, he couldn't get a job or bank account. His family had plane tickets to arrive just days after him, but refugee travel was stopped, and now he was isolated, with no CWS orientation or English classes. How do we cross barriers? First, we have to show up. We couldn't visit the way our team often would, but people from this church showed up in the ways they could. They sent letters and welcome videos, took him on walks around the city. When you show up and listen, you learn what the barriers are. We learned that he loved music and was desperate to work and learn English, so someone got him a keyboard. Many of you hired him for yard work, and Titus taught him English through phone video. But the weeks dragged on, and there was no sign of his family being able to come. So CWS asked if our church could walk with another Congolese family who was already here, the Mupenzis, a family of nine living on South Ann Street beside Heidi. They had arrived only two days before Malole and were facing many of the same barriers. East Chestnuters, in mass, showed up to connect internet, teach English out on the porch, build a wheelchair ramp, and give rides to appointments. If you know Heidi, you know she walks right through barriers, teaching the kids ukulele, mopping floors with the older daughters, rubbing the mother's swollen feet, even trying to teach the sons to help out in the kitchen. People who couldn't risk in-person work showed up in other ways, donating money for groceries after the car accident, funding a pool party, giving furniture, even just listening to me when I got overwhelmed. And thankfully, Malole's family did arrive this September, right before the new refugee quota took effect. Cuts, new cuts that now prevent his oldest sister, who's still waiting in the camp in Tanzania and about to have a baby any day, from joining them. Chestnuters have continued to show up for them too, providing boots, English lessons, computers, soccer matches in the park, and sledding tips. But showing up, especially in a pandemic, comes with a price. Activities that would normally break barriers are risky now, sharing food, singing, sitting around a table together. Many people who would have helped out in person could not this year, including CWS staff. So showing up means I get to hear Emirates beginning to speak English, to see Anyad beginning to work, walk again. But it also means Javan hands me a huge pile of mail that he needs help with, hospital bills, appointments to schedule, things that are harder to do now out in the cold and wind on the porch. Heidi is such a daily part of their lives that the family all calls her Mommy Heidi but that means she's the one who gets the panic knock on her door when the youngest child is missing. She's the one who helps them clean up the spilled trash in the alley. When the Mupenzi parents were in the hospital and the kids were supposed to be quarantining at home all alone, she and I showed up, but that meant getting the dreaded call from a contact tracer. 
our choice to show up affects the people around us. So instead of showing up fully and joyfully, I show up with risk analysis going through my mind. When they ask me to come in to eat freshly fried mandazi, I have to weigh what it means to say yes and what it means to say no. When their kids show up at our door, we don't invite them in to play or eat. This feels like the opposite of Jesus's teaching, and it'd be helpful to have an addendum right now about how to be a servant in a pandemic. In spite of the added stressors though, this work is so fun for me, connecting with others on a vine that grows through our church and city and stretches around the globe, a vine that can grow across barriers and eventually break them down, connecting with many of you who continue to show up in so many different ways. The connections we've made with these two families, in spite of higher than usual barriers, are life-changing. When you get involved with someone's life, when you see and hear their experience, the way you see the world shifts, and then the way you act in this world changes too. For many reasons, it's easier for me to do this with people coming from across the world. But do I show up in this way for people on my own block of East Orange Street? What if I stopped and listened, asked questions, and cared as deeply about other neighbors in Lancaster? And how do I do that when it doesn't feel as comfortable, when my greeting isn't returned, when it doesn't seem like there's any foundation for a relationship? How can I reach across barriers that separate me from the people who stormed the Capitol? Can I be just as curious, generous, and receptive to them as I am to the Mupenzies? And what happens if I'm not? What if I realize that some of the biggest barriers are the ones I carry around inside of me? These questions can become paralyzing and stop me from doing anything at all. But I return to Todd's words from last week. It's through connecting with each other that Christ comes alive. And real connecting, gratifying or gritty, across streets or aisles, in person or on our screens, is where understanding can begin. It means that paired with my tendency to leap into action, I need to sit and listen better to different people on different porches, and maybe even in my own church and own house and own heart. I have to show up, both with God and my neighbors. So with one hand, we hold firmly to this vine that connects us, and that gives us the courage to reach out with the other hand across the barriers that divide us. And who knows what we'll experience and learn then, but first we have to show up. The hymn of response will be from both families uh, from times during their worship time. So first is the Mackenzie's uh, Rock of Ages. from Lola and his brothers. They sing every week at their church, which is just a mile or two. Sorry. Oh, 